Welcome to Series 2 of the Conformance Cast, an educational series format podcast by A2LA Workplace Training, providing information on international standards, quality systems, conformity assessment, and metrology. Thank you for joining us as we chat with environmental laboratory consultant and assessor, Michelle Wade. So you do both and have done in the past, both assessment and consulting work. Um, can you sort of describe how those roles are different and what you find is sort of most important to keep in mind when you're doing each of those functions? Absolutely. I've definitely spent more time as an assessor. Um, so I, I can probably, no, I won't say that. I have definitely spent more time as an assessor, but that assessment process really gives you a 10,000 foot view of a laboratory you know, every couple of years. And so it's a great way to ensure that the laboratories are staying on track and meeting the requirements of the standard. But it's really, generally speaking, I will say, not as in-depth as you would get with consulting. So we, the other aspect is you can really point out opportunities for improvement, but you can't enforce them. You really spend a lot of time as an assessor looking at is what they're doing meeting the intent and requirements of the standards? And it may be bare minimum, but if they meet the requirements of the standards, you have to check the box and move on, no matter how you feel about it or what you think about it, or you realize that they're setting themselves up for failure in the future because their system isn't great, but it meets the requirements of the standard and then you have to move on. Um, when you're consulting, it's, it's a lot like assessing on steroids. You really get to go in depth. You're going to, you get, you know, weeks or months with a laboratory as opposed to a couple of days where you're going through data on a very high level. With that consulting, you get to dig down deeper, look at more data, look at their system. And you're not just perhaps pointing out opportunities for improvement, but you're really looking at their system and helping them evaluate long-term whether it's going to work for them or not. That ability to help a laboratory as a consultant, as opposed to just being an assessor and pointing out uh, where their, their pitfalls are, is very rewarding. Um, I do a lot more assessments than I do consulting, but I will say the consulting work is very rewarding for me because I do get to help them and hold their hand and walk them through the process and help them find you know, maybe a better way, a new system that will assist them with what they're trying to do in the laboratory. And of course, consulting goes beyond just like meeting the requirements of the standard. There's a lot of uh, sort of like business foundations that you can help them with to sort of set them up for success in the future, like you said. Absolutely. That yeah. ability to really you know, look at, okay, this is where you are. I will say that when I do consulting work, I always start with, with a basic assessment. So I get that 10,000 foot view of the laboratory, see what they have in place. And then you identify those areas that either don't meet or could potentially not meet and really expand on those and be able to say, hey, you're doing this and it meets the minimum requirements, but let's look at it this way and explain it to them and help them understand how changing that process or that procedure, doing it a little bit more in depth will really help their laboratory and their business grow. Um, I worked with Pam, who's an instructor at 
uh, workplace training a few months ago on a uh, sort of tips and tricks document. And she brought up a couple of times how um, labs can often sort of perceive their relationship with their assessor as almost an adversarial relationship. Uh, They perceive the assessors as having kind of like a gotcha mentality. Um, How do you, how do you see the relationship between yourself and a lab differ when you're acting as an assessor versus when you're acting as a consultant? Okay. Yes. So that adversary, you're the bad guy. Um, you know, just as kind of a little fun point there, like I tell my kids all the time that people pay me to come into their laboratories and tell them what they're doing wrong. And my kids get that service for free. So (laughs) you're really that, you know, the bad parent when you're the assessor. I work very hard to not take on that role, even as an assessor, unless I absolutely have to. I try to keep things a little bit more open. If you're flexible with your laboratory, I mean, that's, that's a whole different topic and a whole different podcast just for assessors, I think, and ways to handle your laboratories and make them feel more comfortable with the process. But even then, you still walk into those situations, especially if they've had a quote unquote mean assessor ahead of you, you are that bad person and you're there to tell them what they're doing wrong. And and rarely you get the opportunity to point out what they're doing right, but that's not your focus. Your focus really is on what, what you're doing wrong. As a consultant, you really get to foster that relationship and and build from there. So you always pray that when you come in as a consultant, that everybody you know embraces you with open arms. I will say that 90% of the time, management is bringing you in for that purpose. And management does say, you know, you're here to help us and let's make this happen. But you don't always get that with the with the analysts at the bench level. You're still the bad guy. Um, so you get, but you get more time to work them through that process and develop those relationships. And really, as a consultant, you have to do that so that you understand what it is they're doing and what their goals are so that you can help them meet those goals. Uh, have you, I'm sure you've heard this, they say an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So what are some examples of situations where doing one small thing or fixing something very simple could have saved a lab a huge headache when it came to compliance? I will say that the biggest flashing warning light for a laboratory is by far internal audits and making sure that they do an actual internal audit, that they don't just fill out the checklist so they can mark their box and say, I did an internal audit, but actually utilize that as a tool. Uh, That being said, part of that internal audit process is checking your previous corrective actions to make sure that they're still effective. And the number one thing a laboratory can do absolutely for themselves is to do that process and make sure that they do not get repeat deficiencies from one assessment to the next. It's, um, it's very, as an assessor, it's really disturbing when I come into a laboratory and I cite them for the same thing, you know, a second time or God forbid a third time. It's not as much with the ISO world where you're a lot more able to rotate your assessors through a laboratory. So there's a fresh set of eyes every time in the environmental industry. It's very common, especially with States, for you to go into a laboratory as their assessor multiple times in a row. And so when you get the opportunity to see that they're still not doing the thing that they were supposed to fix, it absolutely, um, it mortifies you a little bit. Uh, It certainly looks bad for the laboratory 
And gosh, Evan, I don't even know how to explain it beyond that. Like, just make sure when you do a corrective action that you double check and triple check to make sure whatever you did to fix the problem is effective. Yeah, I'm sure, like you said, going in and doing assessments multiple times in a row, you develop, whether you intend to or not, some kind of a personal relationship. I'm sure you're rooting for them. So I I understand what you mean to say that it's like mortifying, like you almost have secondhand embarrassment to say like, guys, not again. We talked about this. <laughs> Absolutely. I, you know, in the environmental industry in particular and working with the states like I have um, and then consulting on my own, you know, as Wade Consulting, it was just me. So I didn't have another assessor often uh, to send in to a laboratory to, to follow up behind me. So I really did develop those relationships, um, particularly with the labs in Florida that I was into multiple times. And it it really is, you know, you get to know them and it's almost, it's heart-wrenching and you're embarrassed because they didn't do things. Uh, a lot of times I'll even ask like, what happened? You know, did something happen in your personal life maybe that tracked you, got you off, you know, in, a, in, a, in the wrong direction? Like, did you, what happened? Do you need somebody to talk to? Or? Yeah. <laughs> Do I need to take off my assessor hat and we'll just we'll play therapist for a little bit? Like, <laughs> And this is an excellent example of why people shouldn't assume that they're going to have an adversarial relationship with their assessors. <laughs> like you're, you're such an excellent example of like how much assessors, even though they're not acting in a consultant role, how much they, they really do, generally speaking, care what's going on. So, Especially you, in that environmental industry. I'm sorry to cut you off there. But oh, no, go ahead. When we look at the environmental industry and what that data that those laboratories um, are, that they're creating, what it's used for, you know, and making sure that the drinking water is safe. Well, heck, I slept in a hotel you know, in the city, usually that I'm assessing in, and I want to make sure that that drinking water was safe that I poured into my mug that morning or that I made my coffee with. So this is, this is a little off topic, but <laughs> like how often being in the field that you're in, how often do you get like anxiety about that realistically? You know, not often. <laughs> I will say it's, it's really not often. I, there have been this is really off topic. There have been a couple of times where maybe it's a smaller community or I just wasn't able to get a hotel room where I was assessing and I come into the laboratory and it things are a mess, you know, like an absolute mess. And you think to yourself, gosh, I'm glad I stayed in a different city last night. Uh, but that doesn't happen very often at all, thankfully. Yeah, thankfully it does sound, I mean, you were saying earlier about how like, in depth the process of creating these standards is and how long it takes and how many revisions there are. So hopefully that's a strong attestation to them generally being effective, them generally doing what they're meant to do. Yes. Yes. Um, do you have any tips for internal audits that, that you can share that will maybe help to ameliorate some of that, that, problem that you tend to see? Well, you know, Evan, last week uh, for the Florida Society of Environmental Analysts, I actually did a 45 minute presentation on effective internal audits. So I oh, could wow. talk for a very long time <laughs> about internal audits. And I believe actually workplace training will be, uh, they've 
partnered with FSCA to make sure that that video is actually available on their website, hopefully in the not so distant future. Um, but those internal audits, a lot of times people just want to check them off the off the list. I have to do this annually. Um, in the TNI world for 2016 TNI standard, it is an annual process that it has to occur. And they just want to check the box rather than make sure making sure it's effective. So telling you the labs really need to dig down and use that process to evaluate what's going on in their laboratories. Don't just check the box. Make sure that you understand what's happening in your laboratory. We see it all too frequently that, um, you know, we may chide a lab. Maybe it's not a deficiency, but we may say, hey, you know, it really looks like you just filled out this checklist and shoved it in a folder and said this was in your internal audit. And there's no notations to indicate that you really looked at anything. You know, did you just mark it all as yes? Because you don't have any findings. And then we go into the laboratory as an assessor and we find issues at the bench level where they're not following their SOPs or they're not meeting method requirements or they're not, you know, doing this, that, or the other. And a lot of times we'll hear back from the quality assurance officer or the technical director that, well, that's not what they're supposed to be doing. Well, if you've done your internal audit like you were supposed to, you would know what they were doing at the bench level. So when you're doing that internal audit, making sure that you actually do go to the bench and follow them through, I would say, you know, the most effective thing you could do, um, we could put aside quality systems and on the technical side of things is to take your SOP into the laboratory and follow along with the SOP while your analyst does the test and mark those instances where what they do isn't in the SOP and let them follow, finish their process and then go back and evaluate the things that didn't follow the SOP and figure out, was it, was it something that they could do? Is it okay that they did it? And maybe we need to revise our SOP because they found a better way to go about a task that's written out. Or is it something that they've just developed a bad habit and now we need to fix what they're doing so that they meet the SOP? Um, that's all assuming your SOP meets the requirement of whatever method you're following. Um, I will say different from the ISO world and the TNI world, we very much follow uh, standard methods. So whether it's an EPA method set for, so or actually an organization called Standard Methods that writes environmental methods for laboratories to follow. So they have very set rules on what they are supposed to do at the bench level. Join us in two weeks to hear more from Michelle. In the meantime, visit a2lawpt.org for blog posts, pre-recorded webinars, and our entire catalog of courses and consulting services. You can also find us on social media by searching A2LA Workplace Training.